Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Goodyear Hotline, including Chris Collinsworth, live in 15 minutes. Mike Holmgren, coming up later today. Going to do a lot on the Baseball Hall of Fame today. The green list is Super Bowl quarterback matchup related. All that and a whole lot more. Busy day. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. Well, there's only one place to begin. Our Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless continues to be surrounding A, Aaron, the bad man, Rogers, And the biggest question in sports today, has he played his last game in Green Bay? His words Sunday night were eerie. And in some ways, they were the same words but sounded so different than they had during the week. Remember during the week when he called his future a beautiful mystery? He was telling you then, I don't know that I'm coming back. The word mystery is included. He just took off the beautiful after the game on Sunday because no one is feeling particularly beautiful when you lose a game in the playoffs at home in a game in which your coach doesn't give you a chance to win it at the end. So Aaron Rodgers' future is a mystery. You don't need anyone else to say it because he said it. You know how many years Aaron Rodgers has played in Green Bay? 16. You know how many years Brett Favre was the quarterback of the Packers? 16. You know how many years Bart Starr was the quarterback of the Packers? 16. So there is a symmetry that is, I think, irrelevant but fascinating one way or the other. Is he gone? That's the question. There are certainly a lot of ways to sort of try and chew up the answer. A person who would have an idea of what he's going through is, of course, Favre himself, who was on Sirius XM and said this. I wouldn't pay much attention to it. I think frustration, disappointment, hurt, pain, all were in that, that sound bite. Look, there's no way the Packers would do anything to jeopardize losing Aaron. You know, unless Aaron just chooses to retire, which I, I would be shocked. The guy's playing better now than he's ever played. And... Without him, you certainly wouldn't have been even close to where you were yesterday. And, and I think the same would, it will go for next year. And, and it's really, the, the next few years if he chooses to play. Here's the thing. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. As Brett Favre knows, when they draft your replacement, they've made the decision to move on from you. What Favre didn't do, and Rodgers might, is decide to take control of the timing. They've moved on. Now he gets to tell them when, and he does. He can just basically say, I'm not coming back here to play. And in the end, they will have no choice but to move on. We have to stop talking about this as though it is up to them. Of course, they don't want to trade him. They need him because he's great. And they did one of the five stupidest things I've ever seen in my life, in drafting Jordan Love last April, which A, aggravated Rodgers, and B, set the clock ticking. So they can try and turn the clock off right now, but he doesn't have to. And if there's one thing I think we think we know about Aaron Rodgers, is that he's got a whole lot of petty in him. Aaron Rodgers does not suffer that stuff lightly. He kept it all in all year long. Couldn't have handled the whole thing better. Nothing but respect. And he's one of the greatest players ever. But he doesn't strike me as a guy who was ever going to take kindly 
to them deciding to move on from him before he was ready. So now I think it would make a lot of sense for him to decide he's going to move on before they are ready. I had Michael Wilbon on Get Up With Me this morning. He thinks he's gone. I think it's probable, not impossible. Look, I don't want to overreact to what happens in the minutes after a game. But I got to say, when I was watching the post game and listening to Aaron Rodgers all week talk about mysteries, my, my reaction is Aaron Rodgers is done in Green Bay. I think I'd, I'd go as high as 70% chance that we've seen Aaron Rodgers last snap in Green Bay. That was Michael Wilbon today on Get Up. This is ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Again, Chris Collinsworth coming up in just a few minutes on the Goodyear hotline. But that is going to be the story. Shefty said on Twitter yesterday that 18 teams have quarterback questions. That's just over half the league. I actually just went through it today, and I count 21. 21 teams that have some question about their quarterback situation. Now, that includes some places where the question is not what you might automatically think. Like, for example, I wrote down Cincinnati. The only reason Cincinnati has a quarterback question is because the question is whether Joe Burrow is going to be healthy enough to play when the season begins or not. And so that doesn't really count. So if you're going to take out situations like that, is Pittsburgh a question? Is there any doubt that Ben Roethlisberger is coming back? They just elevated Matt Canada to be their offensive coordinator. That certainly feels continuity as though it is setting the table for Roethlisberger to come back and maybe they try and groom Dwayne Haskins, whom they just signed, and let him sit there a year, learn from Ben, and see what comes out the other side of that. So those don't feel like real quarterback questions. As far as legit, hardcore, I don't know who their quarterback is going to be kind of questions. It could wind up approaching half the league, depending on how it plays out. For example, is Matt Ryan going to be the quarterback in Atlanta? Reading the tea leaves, I think the answer is maybe not. Because Mel Kuyper released his first mock draft of the year today. It's available right now on ESPN+. He came on Get Up to talk about it today. And he has five quarterbacks going in the first 15 picks. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence going number one. He has Zach Wilson, the next quarterback off the board, going four to Atlanta. Does Atlanta need a quarterback? Wouldn't seem they do if Matt Ryan is going to be their quarterback. New coach, new GM, fresh start. Maybe they move on from the, from the veteran, from the legend. And if they do, then Ryan becomes a very interesting person in play for places like San Francisco, where he was the MVP of the league with Kyle Shanahan as his offensive coordinator. But I digress. He has Trevor Lawrence, one, to Jacksonville. He has Zach Wilson, four, to Atlanta. He has Justin Fields, seven, to Detroit. He has Trey Lance, eight, to Carolina. And Mac Davis, I keep saying Mac Davis. My goodness, it's Mac Jones, of course. Mac Jones, 15, to New England. So five quarterbacks in the first 15 picks. These drafts are always defined by and shaped by and remembered for the quarterbacks. So it's going to be an extraordinary NFL draft and the run up to it will be fascinating and it'll really begin when we find out what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, Matt Stafford, maybe Aaron Rodgers. I continue to say Carson Wentz isn't going anywhere, but those decisions will get made before the draft decisions will get made. That's where it begins. We have a ton in the hopper today. I told you the green list is Super Bowl related. We will remember Kobe Bryant on this solemn anniversary of his passing. We have plenty on the Baseball Hall of Fame as we continue. And the great Chris Collinsworth will join me live next. Don't miss it. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. On we go on ESPN Radio. This is Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. And my next guest has and is a busy man. You, of course, see him on NBC Sunday Night Football, which is the number one show on television every year since forever. He's also the host of the Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman. And he's got pro football focus. He's a busy man. The great Chris Collinsworth is with me on the Goodyear Hotline. Good morning, Chris Collinsworth. Speaking of busy, do you ever take a day off, brother? <laughs> I mean, I would if you would, and we could go hang out and do something together. But <laughs> so long as you're doing this, you sort of That'd make me good. feel guilty. Hey, you're unbelievable. You've got more jobs than I do, partner, so go on with it. Well, let's have some fun one way or the other. It's a pleasure to talk. It's been a long time, and you know how much I enjoy watching you and Al on Sunday nights and everything else. And I, I wanted to start with that just somewhat generally um, now that your season has come to an end and we have one game left here with the Super Bowl. And, you know, I, I think back to August and September. And if you had told me then that they're going to play every game of the season pretty much on schedule and we will get to the Super Bowl and it'll we'll have a really legitimate seeming playoffs and an outstanding Super Bowl matchup. I would have told you there was no chance that we could do all of that in the middle of a pandemic. So how would you describe the way this season was different from any other you've been around in the NFL in your 30 plus years? I think the number one lesson for all of us was just how significant fans are to sports. Um, To go into those stadiums, when we were in Los Angeles for the opening of that stadium out there for the Rams, to sit in that masterpiece of a stadium and just be Al and I, I mean, we could hear guys on the field and what they were talking about um, one of the great things about it was, though, that we got to hear conversations at the line of scrimmage that we've never heard. You know, as a player, I kind of knew a little bit about them, but, of course, the game changes, and uh, every team has a different way of communicating. And everyone assumed that it was going to give the advantage to the defense, no training camp, and all that kind of stuff. But the ability of some of these great quarterbacks to hear the defensive signal calls where they're yelling back and forth and, you know, doing their conversation for an Aaron Rodgers and a Tom Brady and a Patrick Mahomes to hear what they were saying out there really tilted the the tables in favor of offense, which was a little bit of a surprise. I didn't know it would have that kind of impact. That's fascinating. And, and that could, that absolutely is one of the reasons, as I think about it, that they set all these records. They set records for points scored and touchdowns and all sorts of things. And that probably is a big factor. Chris Collinsworth with me on the Goodyear hotline, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Uh, let's talk about the two teams that are still in it to begin with. And, and let's start with 
Patrick Mahomes and this Kansas City offense. Uh, you, you, you've been around a really long time. And when I watch them and the creativity with which they do it, and it's almost joyful. It's almost like watching the Harlem Globetrotters play football sometimes. Like, how would you describe what they're doing and how they're doing it? Yeah, it, they make it look too easy. Um, I, I think Andy Reid, and, and it's part of the stunning part for me that Eric Bieniemy is not getting a job, right? That you, you know what Andy Reid has turned this into. Um, so, and you have one guy who is sitting in the room with him the entire time that he's putting this plan together and has been his partner in crime in putting these plans together for the last however many years it's been. Uh, and beyond that, he's also been a part of building the plan of how they built this, right? And when you look at what they've been able to do this season, um, you, you go down the list of who's not playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Mitchell Schwartz is one of the best right tackles in all of football. I think PFF has had him as the top right tackle mm-hmm. several times over the last few years. Dr. Uh, Laurent Duvenet-Tardif is off practicing medicine in, in Canada uh, at this time. They had signed Coleccio Simile uh, to come in there and play. Uh, Lucas Nyang was a guy. So, I mean, you go right down the list of who's not playing. Now we get to the really hard question in the Super Bowl for me, which is you already have a backup right tackle, Mike Remmers, who's been doing a great job over there on the right side for them. But now Eric Fisher goes out with the Achilles issue on the left side. And so now what do you do? I mean, this is an already depleted offensive line, and now they're going to have to do all the magic and the globetrotters and all the things that you're talking about uh, with with really a watered-down group up front, and does that matter? And, and I'll say this, when David Bakhtiari was hurt for the Green Bay Packers, the next game, it didn't matter as much. I mean, I watched that tape. It didn't seem to matter. Aaron Rodgers was just in control. We get on to Tampa Bay, and the fact that Bakhtiari wasn't there was a big factor in that game. Yeah, and a part of that might be because they have those two great rushers in JPP and Shaq Barrett, and maybe that matters in this Super Bowl. It is a big deal. Eric Fisher tore his Achilles, so he will not play in the Super Bowl in two weeks. Greeny and Chris Collinsworth presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Actually, Chris, I was asking Dan Fouts about this yesterday, and we were talking about this offense and all the rest of that, and it just got us to, got me to remembering one of the legendary games of all time, and it just occurred to me that you were on the other side. The negative 59-degree game at Riverfront Stadium in the (laughs) AFC Championship. Just quickly, how cold was – like, how would you describe how cold it was that day in the AFC Championship game in Cincinnati? When I woke up that morning, back in the day they had clock radios. I don't know if they still have clock radios or not, but the guy – my alarm goes off. And the guy on the radio says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, nine degrees below zero. The wind's blowing 35 miles an hour, which makes for a wind chill at 59 below zero. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't let your dog outside today. <laughs> and I was like, oh, "What? why am I going outside? I can't let a dog outside. I'm in my rookie year out of the University of Florida. The coldest game I had ever played in was 33 degrees at the University of Kentucky. And I thought I was going to freeze my ass off. I, it was the coldest I've ever been in my whole life. So I'm going out for 59 below zero. And I, I still remember the funniest line 
was when somebody said, all right, guys, it's time to go out there and warm up. I'm like, you want me to go out there and warm up? It's 72 <laughs> degrees in here. How about if I hang in here for a little while? But the first pass that was thrown to me, Mike, in, in that game, the only way I can describe it, I caught it, and the minute I got hit, that the ball fell to the ground. Luckily, I fell on top of it. But if you can imagine taking a sledgehammer to the biggest mirror you have ever seen in your life and watching that thing fall into a million pieces, that's what it felt like. That's what it was like to get hit on that day. It's a stuff of legend. It is It is on record as the second coldest game in NFL history behind only the Ice Bowl. And Chris Collinsworth is a rookie in Cincinnati knocking off the Air Coriel Fouts. They're from San Diego, of all places, and going on to play in the Super Bowl. Chris Collinsworth with me here again. The podcast, Chris Collinsworth with Richard Sherman. Let's talk about the other side. Because Tom Brady is almost old enough to have been playing then. And here he is at the age of 43, like... How do we describe this? What in the world is he doing here, and how is he doing it? You know, I, 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 think, I think you have to put the fact that he's in his 10th Super Bowl, right? I mean, just think about that. Mm-hmm. I played in two, and I thought I had a legendary career. He's in his 10th Super Bowl, and now he's doing it with another team. And now he's doing it with an offense that has clearly evolved into – Part Bruce Arians, we're still seeing the big plays. Obviously, the big play right before the half to Scotty Miller, you know, spoke volumes about no no risk it, no biscuit, right? That whole philosophy. Mm-hmm. But he's sort of melded now with his own beliefs and his own philosophy, and they seem to be getting along great now. But I think in the history of sports, if Tom Brady pulls this one off, I mean, I want you to think about age 43 going out there with all these kids, This is a team that got smoked by the Kansas City Chiefs in week 12. I mean, I'm just sitting here watching the replay of it now. I mean, Tyreek Hill, if you remember, had about 400 yards in the first quarter, Mm -hmm. first half, or whatever it was. I mean, he was just killing Poor Carlton Davis has got to have some PTSD after that game, the way Tyreek Hill ran around him and threw him and, and the whole thing. So if from week 12 they can go from that kind of blowout and Tom Brady can re-engineer this offense and go beat the Kansas City Chiefs, which by all accounts has the greatest quarterback, uh, maybe the only guy that can pass the 10 Super Bowls that Tom Brady has been in. If if Tom Brady at age 43 pulls this off, you're going to have to press me really hard to come up with something more impressive than that in my mind. I'm with you. I mean, from top to bottom, to go to a team that hadn't been in the playoffs in 13 years, which the Bucs haven't, and just to have them at this age in the Super Bowl at all is ridiculous. And if he wins it, it is. It's it's one of the great stories of all time in sports. Let me ask you this, Chris Collinsworth, because, I mean, I think generations of football fans now only know you as an analyst. I remember you as a terrific receiver on some really good Cincinnati Bengals teams. So when you see the impact that receivers are having in the sport right now, I'm thinking of Stefan Diggs and the impact he had on the season they had in Buffalo, DeAndre Hopkins and the impact he had, I think, and, and is having on the development of Kyler Murray in Arizona and how good they look like they're going to get. Like, what do you think of, of the impact these receivers are having as they go from place to place and, 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 and the significance of the position in the way the sport is played now? 
Well, I, I think that analytics are finally starting to kick in in the NFL and in its simplest form. Let's put it in its simplest form. That And these are approximate numbers. But the average run play, average run play averages about four yards a carry in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. And the average pass play, not completion, the average pass play averages about seven yards per play in the National Football League. So it's it's pretty easy to say. It's the same reason that we're seeing all the three-point shots in basketball now, right? I mean, you do the math, and it's, you know – 50% more if you, you know, hit the three and, and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So the passing game is really the answer. You know, now what's the question? How do we get there? So what you're seeing now, obviously the quarterbacks, we all know about the quarterbacks, but we're seeing all the money being spent in today's game on receivers and on defensive backs. Um, you know, if, if you can't play man coverage, these quarterbacks are all too good to sit there and try and play consistently against zone teams. Now, the, the thing that does make this a little interesting in this game, you know, for me is, and I don't know what the relative health of everybody is, but now it may well come down to, you know, who can put one of these two quarterbacks on the ground, you know, and we, we talked about some of the offensive line issues um, uh, uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. But Aaron Stinney now playing right guard means that he's got to handle Chris Jones coming dead up the middle, and Chris Jones is a man-child. So, you know, now is we've got the receivers in this game. I mean, clearly Tampa has gone out, and, you know, hopefully Antonio Brown can play and Godwin and all those different guys, Mike Evans. Um, so the receivers we know the significance of. We know the significance of the coverage guys and, and Tampa's young secondary, but for the game against Kansas City, has really played pretty well. And they did a good job in that game the other day. So now does the third prong of that equation come into play, which is which of these two offensive lines can hold up and protect these quarterbacks, which makes it makes it all fun. But it's all about the passing game right now, Mike, and, and uh, that's not going to change. That's right. As, as mad as it makes all the offensive linemen that I have on all my shows all the time who will never stop telling me, no, you have to wear the other team out. It's about the physicality. It's about making them tired. It's about beating them down. And then in the fourth quarter, you can take control of the game. At the end of the day, the numbers still suggest that throwing the football is the way to win, and and so do the teams that wind up there. Uh, Chris, it's a pleasure to catch up again. Thank you so much. You know how much I enjoy watching you guys every week, and, and have a terrific offseason. Hopefully we'll catch up again soon. Be well. You got it, Mike. Hope to see you soon, Bob. All right, take care. That's Chris Collinsworth. Again, you see him Sunday nights. He's got the podcast with Richard Sherman. He's got Pro Football Focus, which always has really fascinating insight and information, and I think that's true. I think Chris Collinsworth is one of those guys, Bubba. Remind me, uh, Bubba, my disheveled board operator. Remind me how old you are again, Bubba. I am uh, 36. Okay. It shouldn't have taken you quite so long to think of that, to be totally honest with you. Like, that's something that I think should be kind of more at your fingertips than that. But so do you have any recollection? Well, let me rephrase that. There's no way you could have a recollection of Chris as a player because you're not old enough to have seen it. Were you, are you even really aware of his playing career? No, I mean I know he played for the Bengals, but no, I mean he was good. no. I, I mean I know he was a, a wide receiver. I know he was good. I know he played for the Bengals, but other than that, I have no specific recollection. How about if I told you that Chris Carter, the Hall of Famer, changed his name 
the spelling of his name to C-R-I-S because he idolized Chris Collinsworth. How about if I told you that? Did you know that? Is that something you knew? Uh, yes or no? Well, now that you said that, I do remember that from uh, the days on Mike. I remember Chris telling the story when he was on Mike and Mike. Mm-hmm. So I do remember that. Yeah. How I, about that? Crazy. That's how good a player Chris Collinsworth was. He was a terrific wide receiver during his day and obviously is now so recognizable for his next career. Okay. In exactly 30 seconds, we will do today's question of the day. And the question of the day is about sports immortality, which several players could achieve by the end of this day, and I think none of them will. You probably know what I'm talking about. I will explain it all in exactly 30 seconds after this word from ZipRecruiter. It is finally a new year, the perfect time to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people, but finding qualified candidates can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny makes it easy. ZipRecruiter is so effective, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny at ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny at ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, where is my question of the day? I meant to hit it. We have so many things on my board here, I really wanted to very seamlessly go right into question of the day. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. All right, the question of the day is this. By the time we go to sleep tonight, Are any new players going to be voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame? And the answer is probably not. They probably will not. Now, that does not mean that the next time that we have a Hall of Fame ceremony, there will be nobody there because last year's class didn't get to go in, so they will go in. So Jeter is going in next year. But I do not believe anyone gets in this year. And all eyes, of course, are primarily amongst baseball fans on two people, and that is Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. You don't need me to tell you about their greatness as players, do you? Do you need me to tell you that Barry Bonds is the all-time career leader in home runs with 762 and the single-season leader with 73, that he won seven MVP awards, no other player has more than three? Seven is a nice moment of symmetry there because Roger Clemens has seven Cy Youngs, no other pitcher has more than five. He is the leader in war among pitchers to debut in the live ball era, which means since 1920. He's third all-time in strikeouts. You don't need me to tell you how great Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds were, do you? No, you don't. And you also don't need me to tell you why they haven't gotten in, in this the ninth and second to last year of their eligibility. So we haven't been together in a long time on the radio. Of course, I was away for a while, and I assume there are a lot of people listening to me right now who've never heard me talk about this. So I think it is worth putting it on the table. For me, they go in. Bonds and Clemens belong in the Hall of Fame. I do not condone cheating. In fact, this is a change for my original position on the subject. And this comes up every now and again on Twitter. I wrote a book many, many, many years ago. The first book I ever had published was called Why My Wife Thinks I'm an Idiot. And I wrote it basically between the year 2000 and the year 2003, and it got published in 2006. And in that book, I wrote the following. Don't tell me you love the game if you would cheat on it, because you dishonor it by doing so. That's what I thought then. But I consider myself an open-minded person, and I think it is a sign of strength and smarts to change your mind sometimes. There's nothing worse than people who will never change their mind no matter what. I'm going to dig in regardless of what it is I find out or what you tell me. I don't do that. 
So I changed my mind. My position adapted. And I will tell you why. Because at the time that I wrote that, before the explosion of knowledge that was set off by Jose Canseco's book and ultimately wound up in front of Congress and everything else, before all of that, I was under the impression that the steroid use in Major League Baseball, the cheating, was just a few bad actors, to use a commonly used expression. There was a few players that, I don't know, 5% of the players in baseball were using steroids. That's what I thought. And if that were the case, my position on this would be completely different. But I know now, you know now, we all know now, that the truth was completely apart from that, that so many players were using in that era, that it becomes, A, impossible to distinguish between who was and who wasn't. There's no real reasonable way to do that. And B, it would mean ignoring an entire era of the sport in the Hall of Fame. Now, of course, those players are represented in the Hall of Fame. The two guys that I just mentioned, for example, the Hall of Fame has 1,472 Roger Clemens items in its digital collection. The Hall of Fame has 340 Barry Bonds items in its digital collection. But there's more to it than that. Because the Hall of Fame is a museum. But being a Hall of Famer is something more important than that. (coughs) I get it. I fully understand that it is on some level to condone the cheating to put these guys in the Hall of Fame. I do get it. But I cannot justify keeping out some of them because we don't know about the others. Because we do know there were others. We know with certainty. I, can, I, would, I would swear on a stack of Bibles that steroid use was rampant in Major League Baseball for probably two generations of the game. And so it, to me, to separate the greatest players of all time and keep them out because we think we know about them and we don't know about others just doesn't seem right and it doesn't seem fair. So that's my position. I believe, and I don't have a ballot, but if I were voting, Barry Bonds would be in the Hall of Fame today or at least he'd get my vote and so would Roger Clemens. And by the way, Pete Rose should be in too. I've said it before, I've said it a million times. Pete Rose's punishment should be a lifetime banishment from ever working in the game of baseball again, but he should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame for what he did as a player. Those are what I think. And as I've told you, I'm open to changing my mind. You want to try and change my mind? Maybe someday you will. Hey, check out Marvel Studios' WandaVision, an original series now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. All right, coming up, today in so many ways is a day of solemn remembrance. I'm going to tell you a story about Kobe Bryant that you have never heard. That's coming up next. Back in a moment, this is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. I want to let you know the next 30 for 30 is called Al Davis versus the NFL. Looking back on the long-running feud between the legendary Al Davis and the NFL commissioner Pete Rozelle. Two of the most influential figures in the history of pro football. It looks outstanding. If you know anything about the history of that story, 
The two Titans were very publicly at odds. Again, the latest for 30 for 30 is called Al Davis versus the NFL premieres February 4th at 9 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. And immediately following the debut, Jalen and Jacoby, the after show podcast will be on where the guys will be joined by the director, Ken Rogers. You can listen and subscribe to Jalen and Jacoby, the after show, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Greeny with you, and we've got a, a Super Bowl-related green list today, and we have Mike Holmgren coming up today, and we're talking about the Baseball Hall of Fame today. But today is also, as I'm sure you're already aware, a day of solemn remembrance. Today is the one-year anniversary of the day that we lost Kobe Bryant. And like you, I remember where I was when I heard that news. There were certain things in life you'll always remember exactly where you were when you heard them. I was in an airport in Tampa, Florida. I had gotten away, snuck away for a quick weekend of golf with my best friends down in Tampa in the middle of work, you know, getting set to go cover the Super Bowl the following week. And I was in the airport in Tampa. This is before the pandemic, of course, so the airport was otherwise sort of a normal place. But I, what I remember, among other things about that day, was how silent it was. As news began to spread, the airport was silent packed with people and absolutely chillingly silent. And as I sat there, like everyone else, scrolling through Twitter and, and, and receiving notes and texts from people, I remember two guys who were sitting near me, just in the waiting area, waiting for our plane. One of them sort of looked over and caught my eye, and he said, you're the guy from ESPN, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, is it true? And... I remember saying, I think it is. And it was before it had been confirmed. But the story had been out there far too long not to have been accurate by that point. He was far too famous a man. So that is a year ago today. And I know for all of us, this past year, for any number of reasons, has felt like a decade. And so that that day feels both at the same time It feels both like it just happened and it feels like it was another lifetime ago. So my relationship with Kobe Bryant was very important to me because of how big a deal he was. We met because the Bill Clinton, um, the Clinton Global Health Health Initiative did an event in um, Palm Springs, California. This was in January of 2014. And among the people that they invited, Bill Clinton invited Julie Foudy and I to host it. And he invited Kobe Bryant to be the primary speaker. And when I arrived, unbeknownst to me, this was not anything that had been told to me was going to be the plan. They told me that both the president and Kobe, rather than getting up and speaking at a podium, would prefer to sit in sort of a conversational fashion together And they wanted to know if I'd be okay moderating that. So the next thing I knew, I'm sitting on a stage for an hour and 30 minutes with Bill Clinton and Kobe Bryant. And that is an experience that I will tell you I will never forget as long as I live. And when it was done, and and the, 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 the conversation was about health. It really wasn't about basketball. It was about health. And... Kobe talked about it very eloquently and the president was talking about it. And all of that was, it was fabulous. I mean, it was endlessly fabulous. I think it was actually televised somewhere. 
So they're, they're probably somewhere out there you could find the video of that. But that's not the point of the story. So when it was over, we all go back into this green room and uh, one of the members of, the, of, of President Clinton's Secret Service detail, you know, came over. He knew who I was and he was a fan of – I was hosting Mike and Mike at the, in the time. And he said, hey, we love the show. Can we take a picture? Whatever it is. And I said, do you think I could – could you bring me over to meet – just to say hello to the president just one-on-one? And so I, he, he did and I went over and I got a chance to talk to Bill Clinton for, I don't know, two minutes standing in this room. And all he talked about was how extraordinary he thought Kobe Bryant was. He was, and I'm not going to try and do the voice. You know how he talks. But he was like, oh, he's so, that uh, Kobe Bryant, I, whatever, I can't do his voice. But um, he was so enamored of Kobe. But anyway, the event went so well that Kobe decided that from that point forward, when he did corporate events, which he did many of, particularly after he retired, he would frequently arrange to have me come and interview him. He liked that format. Rather than getting up at a podium and just talking, he liked sitting in a chair opposite me and me asking him questions. So we probably did that, I don't know, six or seven times. I was going through pictures right after this happened, and I was doing it again this morning, and I'll find some more. But I'll never forget those days. And I don't want to over... It's not like we were social friends. We didn't have dinner or anything, but I spent a lot of time just asking him questions one-on-one. And so the fact that he is gone still does not register for me. It's still not something that my, my mind has really been able to fully take in. Uh, I'm running out of time here. I'm going to save the rest of this for later in the show. I have so much more I want to say. And so this conversation will continue, and I, will, I have a story you've never heard about him that we will share as we continue on this day. Much more to come on ESPN Radio.